0: Welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm your other host, Harless. This is the podcast where we recap fiction story of Magic the Gathering and add our own flavor text, speculation, and reactions.
1: In today's episode, we will be covering the first main story of Berexia, All Will Be One called Uncontrolled Descent by Shannon McGuire. Join us as we head into the multiverse.
0: So the last time we saw our planeswalkers, they were preparing to head to New Phyrexia to mount an attack. A really quick recap of the ending of Season 2, which was the Brothers' War. There was a Phyrexian attack on Urza's tower, while Teferi, Kaya, and Saheeli were trying to figure out the mysteries of the past in order to unlock an artifact called the Silex, which potentially has the destructive power to be able to destroy the Phyrexians, which is why it's so important. But there was a big uh, attack on Urza's tower. Uh, Elspeth and Joda and Nyssa and Renin-7 had to mount a defensive, and they managed to hold them off. Partially because Planeswalker Tezzeret kind of was making things interesting and allowed them and, and, and kind of called off his Phyrexian forces and allowed them to kind of have a reprieve moment. And that was when they reunited with Jace and Nahiri and a bunch of other planeswalkers at the very end of season two. And this is where they came up with the plan that they were going to launch an offensive attack on New itself and bring the Silex with them. So that's where we start off our main story in season three. And this story starts
1: off with Kaido. Kaido is a master ninja planeswalker from the Plain of Kamigawa. He is an Asian male with a shaved head who mixes his telekinesis with technology. An example of this is his droid, Himoto, who is nicknamed Pompon. Pompon takes the shape of a Tanuki mask and fights alongside Kaido, but he can also use his telekinesis with his weapons. Now Kaido wasn't sure what he expected on New Phyrexia. no one's ever seen a completed plane before, but he wasn't expecting this. A feeling like slamming into a wall of electrostatic wind, not enough to do actual damage, but enough to disorient, to distract, and inevitably to steal consciousness away. And now that it had happened, he certainly hadn't been expecting New Phyrexia to look like one of the nicer tourist
0: beaches of Kamigawa. Kaito sees this pristine white sand, and it's just so pleasant. For a moment, he wonders if he should just relax and give in to it. As he sinks into the sand, something in his consciousness tells him to wake up, to snap out of it. He knows how dangerous Phyrexia is. That's why he's here in the first place. But the sand is just so
1: pleasant and he just doesn't have the desire to move. Until he feels small hands shake him and pull him into a sitting position. In his disorientation, he thrashes against the familiar grip until he feels a slap across his cheek which brings him back to reality. It's the Wanderer, also known as the Emperor. She's been friends with Kaido since childhood and is the Emperor of Kamigawa. Now her planeswalker spark is unstable so she has a hard time staying in
0: one place for very long. Kaido snaps out of the illusion and instinctively grabs for his sword, which he realizes is gone. And so is Pompon. The Wanderer is already starting to fade in and out of this plane. Remember, uh, Harla said that she can't control her spark and where it takes her. And so this is stressing Kaido out further. It seems there was some type of barrier when they passed over into Phyrexia that is keeping the Wanderer from anchoring herself into the plane. But she's still flickering there for the time being shouting at something in the distance. It's Nahiri. Kaido turns
1: and beheld Nahiri, sword in hand and cheeks faintly flushed with exertion, the heat of her blood showing through the slightly tone of her skin. She was dancing, no, fighting, with a figure that looked to have been shaped from liquid metal spliced with panels of wiry cabling, like a fever dream of mechanical poetry escaped from the inventor's bench and turned against the world. It seemed impossible that anyone, even the lithomancer, Could fight this construction and win. Then the air
0: flashed around her, igniting with a crash as loud as thunder, as Nahiri called the glittering metallic sand of New to join her dance. It rose grain by grain to swirl around her, a storm even deadlier than her hail of shaped stone blades, and crashed together on the fighting figure. So clearly, Nahiri can handle herself. We very
1: briefly met Nahiri at the end of season two, right after that battle at Urza's Tower when the planeswalkers reunited to talk of their battle plans to head to New and destroy Elish Norn.
0: But we didn't really get to see her in action until now. So Nahiri is from the plane of Zendikar. She's immensely powerful and ancient, though she doesn't look it. I mean, all planeswalkers are powerful, Right. But Nahiri is sort of above and beyond powerful. There are a few planeswalkers who fall into this category in my eyes. These are the planeswalkers like Urza or Karn or Tezzeret or Jodah, just world-shaping dominance in their power. Nahiri is one of those, or at least she's one of those in this particular setting. She's a lithomancer, meaning she can manipulate metals. And we are in New Phyrexia. Which, if you remember, is the new name for the Plane of Meriden. A plane entirely made of, yeah, you guessed it, metal. And she's fighting against half-metal Phyrexians. So yeah, I'd say Nahiri is insanely powerful right now. A huge threat to Phyrexians. Nahiri is also totally sarcastic, almost arrogant in her demeanor. Personally, I really enjoy Nahiri, but I also struggle with her. She has a tendency to be extreme. But I like her enough to cheer for her every time she goes a little AWOL. (laughs) Now, Nahiri, after dispatching the Phyrexians, fills
1: Kaito in on what happened when they planeswalked here. It seemed the Phyrexians knew they were coming, slamming into a planar shield, putting the Phyrexians on the offensive the second they arrived.
0: Everyone, all the other
1: planeswalkers who came here seconds ago, have been separated.
0: Seeing as this is the first time Kaido had seen a Phyrexian, he's stunned and confused as to what Nahiri was fighting.
1: Nahiri just shrugs it off in typical Nahiri fashion. One of the locals, she said, shrugging. Fast. Pretty lethal. No real challenge. Uh, Nahiri. A Phyrexian. But nah- no real challenge. <laughs> no trouble. But Nahiri was cut in the scuffle, right on the back of her neck. She reveals that it's still her human blood, though, not oil. Oh, phew. Nahiri leads Kaido and the Wanderer deeper into what's called the Furnace Layer. Mirrodin, or New as it's now called, is a plane made up of literal layers on top of one another. We'll get a full explanation in the next episode as to how this all works, but for right now, imagine the Furnace Layer as just below the surface level, so they have to go underground a bit.
0: Nahiri points out that she had seen explosions coming from somewhere beyond the beach. The Wanderer stayed with them, still flickering as they trudged across the quote-unquote Sand. And now that Kaido looks closer at the sand, it wasn't at all sand. It was basically phyrexianized powder of, of metallic properties. It definitely was not sand, like he first thought. Yeah,
1: that uh that seems to have been a very nice illusion, but not real. Yeah. Yeah. So Nahiri gives Kaido some advice while they walk. She says, Nothing here is what it looks like. You can't trust anything Phyrexian. It's all lying to you all the time, whether it knows it or not. They come across a statue further on. Which perfectly depicts an elf wearing clothes and armor
0: and weapons. Nahiri exclaims that the statue is made of Zendikarian hedron, a sign or a trap. I mean, Kaido points this out too, stopping Nahiri from advancing right away.
1: Yeah, that's Kaido, but Nahiri is well. Nahiri, she says that if it's a trap, they take the bait. Keep in mind, Nahiri has a swarm of metal daggers floating around her, ready to tear apart any Phyrexian that gets near, so.
0: Oh, all reckless, (laughs) all-powerful (laughs) Nahiri. Kaido fashions himself
1: his own makeshift weapons from the debris under the statue. It's not as powerful as his normal sword, and of course he misses Pompon, who is still missing, but it'll do for now. Right then, the elf statue starts to move. Sort of. The cables holding it up start to writhe, unsnarling themselves, and the statue opens its eyes, struggling against the wires holding it. Nahiri and the others determine the statue isn't really a statue, and that instead it's a Phyrexian trap holding one of their own. Nahiri cuts through the cables, freeing the statue, which falls to the ground. The Wanderer checks for a pulse, but right then, the elf-slash-former statue tries to punch the Wanderer. Luckily, it just goes right through her.
0: This elf stops being a statue as the Wanderer explains what happened to him. In disjointed sentences, seeing as she's only partially on the plane still. This elf is male, lightly tanned, and introduces himself as Tyvar Kel, the Prince of Kaldheim.
1: Tyvar is definitely one of the planeswalkers following Jace and the others to destroy the Phyrexians. So together, the four of them set out through the wastes of New Phyrexia in search of an entrance to the Furnace Layer.
0: Finally, they come upon a resistance camp full of Mirans. Unfortunately, it's right then that the Wanderer loses hold on this plane and disappears. Kaido is anxious and disappointed he and the Wanderer did not manage to make it here together. But he holds faith the Wanderer will return. She always does.
1: In this resistance camp, we are introduced to a new character, a Mira named Malira. She's described as a wiry human with short-cropped red hair and fair skin devoid of metal ornamentation. A staff topped with gleaming light held low by her side. Posing no immediate threat, but ready to become one.
0: I love that quote, just posing no immediate threat, but ready to become one. That just says so much about Malira right away. Oh, yeah. So remember what I said about the mirans that they are tough as nails? Well, Malira is certainly no exception. Malira calls herself a friend to our planeswalkers and a healer.
1: She confirms that the planeswalkers who follow Karn's call are gathered below this layer of Mirrodin. However, Kaito is nervous that she refers to them as survivors, as if the attack had
0: already taken people from them. Malira leads Kaito, Nahiri, and Taivar down to the lower layer by blowing it up, essentially. She doesn't tell anyone anything, and they sort of fall beneath the crumbling outer layer of the world to be caught by different gravity beneath. It's actually kind of cool how Meriden is constructed as a layered plane like that. And in the next episode, we actually dive a little deeper into that, so stay tuned for that. So this layer that they descend into, Kaido is really rattled, by the way, by just being blown up and dropped into a cavern, is called the Mirex, not quite the furnace layer. It's where the primary resistance is being gathered. And if you remember from our last episode with Neali, they were all stationed in the Mirex.
1: Mirrodin, what remained of it, was a wasteland beneath them, withered from lack of light, without even the alien beauty of the surface. If Erexia had done this to break the spirit of the Resistance, they had probably come closer than anyone wanted to believe. Malira goes on to say that if you keep going down into the deeper layers of Mirrodin, there's always a new surprise waiting for you. At least they're predictable about it, Melira says. Everything wants to kill or complete you. No exceptions.
0: Ooh, I'm nervous to see what the deeper layers look like. Oh, we
1: will find out. Just you wait and see. So in order to get into the resistance camp in the Mirax, though, they have to go through this barrier that plays with gravity, kind of.
0: It's described as a low wall of what looks like razored glass. Sounds fun. Did you just say play with gravity? (laughs)
1: Yeah, so Nahiri, she jumps right after Malira, hopping from crate to crate set up through this barrier that disorientates gravity as you go through it. Kaido hesitates, but follows too, suddenly standing on the wall somehow in this sort of anti-gravity barrier.
0: I'll note that during all of this, Nahiri keeps playing with the bandage on the back of her neck, and Malira notices. Remember when Nahiri got cut at the beginning of this episode? Well, right after they get to the resistance camp, we switch to Nahiri's perspective, and...
1: No, Natalie, I'm going to stop you there. I don't want to hear it. Uh, I, are you going to tell me that I'm, something bad happened? I'm, I'm to so Nihiri?
0: sorry, Harless. No, <laughs> Nahiri. <laughs> so yeah, Nahiri hung back from the others to check on her bandage, and I quote for you: Peeling back the bandage, she touched the surface beneath with delicate fingers and found no injury, only smooth skin and a short, slick protrusion that had no business growing there, as if her bones had decided to reshape themselves. She pulled her hand away with a hiss of dismay. Somehow, unsurprised to see that they gleamed with the same glistening oil as had tipped the spears of the Phyrexians, she was infected. She was already lost.
1: No, and also
0: ooh, because <laughs> right, having a growth on your body—it's also just it's like Nahiri. Just like kind of brushes by. it off, pretty, pretty effortlessly, but. I would be horrified to find something growing out of the back of my neck. Just. Yeah. Ooh. Like, <laughs> uh, it, I, I just can't imagine being like, oh, well, there's another bone there. Uh, Moving oh, on. Oops. Uh, just let me put my bandage back on. Like, and that's. On this bone <laughs> sticking out. What? And that's kind of. Girl, what, go to the doctor. <laughs> that's kind of what Nahiri does. So. She doesn't tell her companions, not yet. She kind of debates whether she should tell them anything. And she decides that she's still herself. She's still all there. She knows who she is. The the phyresis hasn't infected her fully yet. And so she just slaps that bandage back on. At the very end of the episode, she just resolves to carry on, to press onward. And that's just typical Nahiri. Yeah, but how much longer is she going to remain Nahiri, though? Like, she's being phyrexianized yeah like this is the first time we're seeing it happen real time in in our podcast anyway Johnny was a sleeper agent he didn't know he was already infected but nahiri this is different she knows what's going to happen imagine if you were in nahiri's shoes right now and had to like how would you just go forward with this knowledge right yeah
1: i think you know I understand her kind of hiding it right now because they are just pressing forward. And she's like, okay, we're pressing forward. And I once before described Phyrexians as being this like ant colony that all kind of attack at once. You can't stop it. You can't control it. And that's what Nihiri's kind of feeling right now, I think, right? She can't stop that this is happening to her, but she can continue to press forward for as long as she can like like for as long as she possibly she can She's still continue to be of service
0: yeah and i think yeah, i think nahiri is just she's so steadfast and she's so stubborn that she's going to press on until the very very end and She's not really daunted by anything. I mean, she was the first to step into that anti-gravity weird thing that Kaido was like, what is this? Yeah. But she's just like, she can control metal. She can make the floor come to her. Yeah. And when she's a lithomancer on a metal plane, Mm. I wonder if there's like this sense of invincibility, right? And it makes me wonder... Will Frexianization affect Nahiri the same way because she is a Lithomancer? Will she have some sort of power over it? And I'm speculating here, like 100% guessing, but I wonder if she will have some sort of power over it that the others just don't have because of her innate magical ability. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see on that. Yeah, I mean, it's like a, it's like putting a shark in water, right? Like, is is she going to thrive in this? Like. Is she going to be able to triumph over it? Out of anybody, maybe Nahiri can triumph over this. I, I got to hold out some right. faith here. Uh, <laughs> so my biggest question right now,
1: and I don't know about everyone else, but my biggest question is who all is on this plane right now and where are they all? Because they all got no separated. Kidding. So yeah. So when we left our planeswalkers last, we were at Urza's tower and everybody was there. Teferi was there. Well, actually, Teferi was not there. Taveri was "quote was, unquote" there. Tavare's <laughs> body was there. That not his, not the rest of him, but his body was there. Um, we had Jace. We had Elspeth. We had Joda. We had so many people. Where are they right now? Like, what is everybody doing? That's a great how, question, Harless. Yeah, like how bad did they get separated? And if if Kaito and if Kaito who by happenstance ran into Nahiri, who by happenstance also ran
0: into Tyvar can't, can barely like get through this. Yeah. Like, let's not forget that in the span of that, those few minutes or however long it took for them to kind of gather themselves on that beach Tyvar, the Prince of Kaldheim had fallen into that Phyrexian trap immediately and was like statued and held by those cables what is what is the fate of our other planeswalkers then? The and my question also, how did the Phyrexians know they were coming? And how did Elish Norn set up all of these defenses? Like clearly there was some there was something that that tipped them off to knowing that the planeswalkers were going to launch an attack. And I just, I just I'm buzzing with questions over how Elish Norn knew this. And do you know what I think? I'm I'm kind of speculating here. Ooh, tell me. I think, I think that Elish Norn knows all of the weaknesses of our planeswalkers because Ajani has been telling her. And, Ooh, and that would be Ajani so brutal. Ajani knows the weaknesses of all of these planeswalkers who he has fought alongside with for years, and he knows how to set up the perfect uh, offensive strategy, right, to stop them from getting onto New Phyrexia and and launching any sort of attack. So that's what I think. I think that a Johnny might be might be behind all of this. Oh,
1: that's so brutal to think about. Our sweet baby a Johnny is just being <sighs> My used kitty for planeswalker.
0: evil. <laughs> I'm so heartbroken.
1: Ugh. It's so sad. It's so sad. I mean, there have been you know we didn't talk about it in this podcast, but you know uh, back on Kamigawa, Tomio was a Johnny has been Phyrexianized. Jai is gone. And
0: there's now just nahiri. so much that's already
1: happened. Now nahiri and now we know is nahiri. infected,
0: and though I have some faith that she might be strong enough to maybe get through this attack or be able to do some damage before she goes, I, like she's, she is, she's got phyresis inside of her, and I don't know. There's no known cure. There's there's no, no way to reverse that. So I, uh, I, I think I can tell already, Harless, that the stakes of this season are just going to be so high and i think we're only seeing the beginning of the dangers that our planeswalkers will be in and that makes me very scared
1: yeah i'm definitely nervous for our planeswalkers this season they have found the mirror in resistance but now they've got to go deeper into this this plane so we'll see what happens yeah
0: and mirrored as a plane i'm so fascinated i can't wait to dive into it next episode because I was fascinated. Um, and and for me, I didn't play the original Mirrodin block. So this is my first experience of seeing Mirrodin firsthand and understanding what this plane is. And it's so fascinating and so cool. And like these layers and stuff. And I think I think we're going to get some really cool insight into Mirrodin or aka New Phyrexia as we go into this season. I'm so excited.
1: Me too. I really can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Well, I guess we'll just have to continue the season then. We are off to a very turbulent start already. I can't wait to read what happens next. As always, if you want to read ahead and find out what happens, you can read up on this story and so much more at
0: mtgstory.com. We'll see you next time on the Magic Story podcast as we continue the story of Phyrexia. All will be one. Until then, have Have a a magical day.